0: Merry Christmas, and welcome to the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm, a weekly podcast that brings biblical teaching to everyday people in ways we can understand and put into practice. I'm your host, Gwen DeSelm, and I'm delighted to share this time with you today. If you've been blessed by this podcast over the past year, we would love to hear from you. Tell us about how God has used these messages in your life by sending us an email at dave at DaveDeselmMinistries.org, you can also support us in this ministry by giving a gift this holiday season. Go to our website, DaveDeselmMinistries.org, and click on the donate button. And of course, if you haven't done so yet, take just a moment to subscribe to this podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Well, it is my pleasure to introduce our teacher, Dave Deselm. Spent over forty years in pastoral ministry, planting, growing and leading a church. Currently, he is the executive director of Dave Desell Ministries, offering resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as a blog, devotionals, coaching, speaking, and more. You can find out more about us at DaveDeSelmMinistries.org. Well, let's join Dave now for this special Christmas message titled, The Gift.
1: Well, Christmas is a Time of the year for the giving of gifts. It's the time of the year when we have joy and happiness. I think it's the happiest season of the year, isn't it? We sing songs accordingly. Uh, Have yourself a Merry Little Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Happy Holidays. And yet, as I began to think about that, I thought, for the most part, those songs refer to a seasonal happiness, don't they? A situational happiness. That is to say, uh, real life takes a vacation during Christmas break. Happy times, happy places. Speaking of happy places, if I were to say, what is known as the happiest place on Earth? What would it be? Disney World, right? (laughs) Happiest place on Earth is Disney World, but no one actually lives in Disney World. It's Fantasyland, right? Frankly, no one would ever want to live in Disney World. Can you imagine hearing, it's a small world after all, (laughs) nonstop. No, stop. Crazy, crazy. There are all those sorts of places that celebrate happiness. You can go in just a few minutes to a local bar, and for one hour a day, they have a special time when alcohol is sold at a reduced rate, and it is called... Wow, a lot of you knew what that was. <laughs> I'll have to compare you to the other services and see... Whether the three o'clock needs extra prayer, I don't know. <laughs> happy hour. Now, here's something about that. They got one hour of happy hour, and then I thought, well, what are the other 23 hours? <laughs> one hour of happiness. The fact is, whatever you choose to escape to, whether it's alcohol, whether it's television, whether it's vacation, whether it's sports or shopping or sleeping, real life quickly comes to call again, which brings us to a part of the Christmas story I'd like to talk to you about just for a few minutes this afternoon. In it, there are a group of individuals who were looking for more than situational or seasonal happiness. They're called the magi, the wise men. We don't know a lot about them. We know they had wealth, prestige, position. We know they came from the east, probably from Persia, modern-day Iraq. They were quite open as scholars to learning about other cultures. Specifically, they were interested in the nation of Israel and its sacred writings, And they had read there that a great king was coming. And indeed that that king would be announced in the heavens first. And they were experts in that as well. So when there was a heavenly phenomena, they determined to go looking for the king. They were willing to spend a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of energy to go looking for the king. Why? Because for all the wealth and position and power that they had they were still missing something and they determined that they were going to see if that something was in a someone incidentally some comedian once said what if they were the three wise women rather than the three wise men i got to thinking about that here's my conclusion they would have asked for directions earlier They would have arrived to help deliver the baby. They would have brought diapers. They would have cleaned the stable, and they would have baked a casserole before they left. (laughs) As it stands, these were three wise men. And they got as far as Jerusalem, Then they were stymied, because they were sure that any king would be born in the capital. And so the text says in Matthew that they asked, Where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him but the baby they were looking for wasn't in Jerusalem. And again, they were stymied. There was a king there. What was his name? Herod. Herod was the king there. And the text continues, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Now Herod was one of the most brilliant figures of antiquity, a builder beyond compare, but he was also brutal. He'd ingratiated himself to the Romans during the Civil War. Octavian had become his patriarch, and he'd become the puppet king, known as the king of the Jews under Octavian's supervision. He was proud of his position, but he was paranoid of of his power. In fact, he had at least 10 wives, and the only one that he loved, he had executed because he was convinced she was plotting against him. He killed three of his sons because he was sure they wanted his crown. And when one of their barbers protested, he killed the barber too. When he was close to death, Herod was afraid that no one would mourn him. So he rounded up 70 of the leading citizens in Jerusalem had them imprisoned with these instructions. When I die, kill all of them. Someone will at least shed tears upon my death. This was Herod. This was the time when Jesus was born. That's why the text says Herod was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Herod doesn't know where the child is, but he's convinced the king is a threat. His scholars say, check out Bethlehem. Thus it was that the Magi go to this little town. The town of Bethlehem really was a little town, a little wide spot in the road, and they make their way there. And they come to the place where the baby is being laid in a manger. And somehow, way, they know they found the king. Their response is amazing. The Bible says they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Exceeding great joy. Great contrast. In Jerusalem, where Herod is, with all the power and position and prestige, there's no joy. But in Bethlehem, where there is no power, position, or prestige, there's exceedingly great joy. And the question is, why? Why? I think the answer is clear. It's because Jesus was in Bethlehem. And where Jesus is, there's joy. There's joy that goes beyond the seasonal, there's joy that goes beyond the situational. There's great joy. In Jesus, we see that this world was a royal mess. It was, not still is, isn't it? But God, rather than choosing to avoid it, chose to embrace it. And he came to this planet to heal it and to restore it to its former glory. To what extent the Magi were able to grasp all this, I don't know. But they grasped enough that the text says they bowed and they worshiped. They worshiped. Amazing. The next day, it says... They headed for home a different way. Now, I, I, I know I know what the text means. It means they went by a different route to avoid Herod's scouts, right? But I like to look at it with a double entendre. They went home a different way because they were different men. They went home a different way because they'd received the gift that the king had come to bring. They were different because of Jesus. And friends... This is the good news of Christmas. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life. One person called this the gospel in a nutshell. It's an amazing verse. God gave his son the ultimate gift that whosoever, whosoever, no exclusions, no exceptions, whosoever would embrace him by faith, believe in him, trust in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life. What's that mean? Well, one way to look at it is it's everlasting life in duration. Think of that. You'll never die. Life out of this world is through a doorway and you'll simply step into eternity. Everlasting life. How could that be? Because the Bible's real clear that we don't deserve that. In fact, it says this, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the bad news of Christmas. See, the fact is I'm a sinner, and so are you. And we fall short of God's standard for heaven. Bad news. But the same book of Romans also says this. The weight of sin is death. Cosmic rebellion deserves capital punishment. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. See, that's why you can't divorce Christmas from Good Friday and Easter. Jesus came to give his life that you wouldn't have to give yours. He died, so you wouldn't have to. Eternal life. But there's more than the quantity of life and eternal life. There's the quality. Jesus himself said in John ten, 10 I've come to give you life and life abundantly. Overcoming life. Transformational life. A whole different reality. You interested in that? I think an awful lot of us are. Right, frankly... We're sick and tired of being sick and tired. I don't know how this holiday season finds you. Maybe, maybe you're totally happy. Everything in your life is great. Your body is healthy. Your marriage is thriving. Your kids are terrific. Your job is pure joy. Your problems are insignificant. Your regrets are few. And all the relatives you'll be with tomorrow are emotionally well-adjusted people you just can't wait to see. Maybe that's you. Lucky You. Then there's the rest of us. (laughs) Maybe this Christmas is hard for you. Disappointments are many. Discouragement is real. Old memories are haunting and new habits are troubling. And things look bleak for 2015. Yet the gift of eternal life is offered to you tonight. A different kind of life. A different capacity for life. A different hope for the afterlife. It's all offered as a free gift. But like any gift, you have to choose to embrace it. The wise men did. They bowed in worship. And because of that, they went home a different way. And if you would embrace the gift that is being offered to you tonight, you could go home a different way too. A different way. I'd like you to bow your heads if you would, please. Some of you have been coming here for years, and that's a wonderful thing. So good to see old friends. Others of you aren't really to church much. I'm so glad you chose to attend. I'm not looking for church attendance. I'm not looking for religious ritual. I'm not looking for even a moral scrubbing I'm looking for men and women who are just as open as the wise men were. There's just something that's not there. For all that you have, there's so much that you don't. For all that you can be smiling about, there's so much you weep over. I would offer you tonight eternal life in Jesus Christ. He came to this world and 33 years later he died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin, to fit you for heaven, and to give you a new start until then. But only you can receive it. I can't receive it for you. Your parents can't receive it for you. Your wife can't receive it for you. Your kids can't receive it for you. Only you can. Perhaps with a prayer something like this, Lord, I don't quite know what I'm looking for. But like the wise men, I know I need something. Jesus, if in fact you are who you say you were, and if in fact you would give your life for me, I would right now embrace you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. Make me a new person. And take me home to be with you forever. Tonight, Christmas, I receive the ultimate Christmas gift in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray that. Amen. Let me continue on just for a couple of minutes. I said when the wise men recognized it, what'd they do? They what? Bowed in worship. But did you notice what else they did? Take a look at the text. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I've probably read those words hundreds of times, but I've never before seen the linkage between the two things. Do you see it? Having received the gift, they then gave gifts. Having been blessed, they then chose to Bless in very tangible ways. Now those gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the latter two are very expensive perfumes. So how'd that help? Well, we read in the account that when Herod realized that the Magi were not gonna to return to him and lead him to the baby, he sent out his hitmen. And he had pretty much blunt orders. Kill every baby in Bethlehem, ages two and under, boy babies. They wiped him out. Joseph had been warned in a dream and he had escaped with his family, but he couldn't go back to Nazareth. Where'd he go? Egypt. They became refugees. Think about that. No friends, no money. Where were they gonna purchase food? Where were they gonna get housing? Where was he gonna avail himself of tools to start a new career? Because of the gifts of the Magi, he could start over. Having been blessed, they blessed him with a new start. That's an amazing thing to me. There's something important for us to see. Having received the gift of life, the natural response is to give gifts for life. Having freely received, freely give. Later on, Jesus actually said this freely you have received. He said this to his disciples. Now you give. So let me ask you real quick what did you receive when you received Jesus as your Savior? Did you receive forgiveness? Hmm? Did you receive kindness? Did you receive reconciliation? Did you receive peace? Did you receive joy? Did you receive grace? Did you receive love? Did you? Sure you did. So did I. We received all of that. And we give great gratitude to God, don't we? Thanksgiving. May my exegete suggest to you, there's something more important than Thanksgiving. And it's thanks living. Here's my challenge to you this Christmas and well beyond. Freely you have been forgiven. Who could you forgive this Christmas season? Who should you forgive? Freely, you have been offered kindness. Hmm? Who could you show kindness to? I mean real kindness. Acts of love. Demonstrations of generosity. Who could you show kindness to? You've been reconciled. Who could you reconcile with this Christmas season? You know what? I just need to bury the hatch. Freely I've received. Freely I'm going to give. You found peace. Who can you offer peace to? So how do you offer peace? Well, for some people, they don't have much peace because they can't pay their bills. They can't pay their rent. They can barely make it as a single mom. Who could you provide some peace for this season and beyond? You've discovered joy, whose kids could you bring joy to? You've been shown grace, who could you show it to? You've been loved, Who can you demonstrate that to? God led the magic to Jesus not only for what He could give to them, but for what He could do through them and in them. You have not been saved simply for thanksgiving. You've been saved for thanks living. And that's my challenge to many of us this Christmas season who've already received the gift. Freely you received it. Who can you give a gift to? Who can you give a gift to? Maybe the place to start is to ask a simple question. Lord, where would you have me, my family, us as a couple, be the gift this holiday?
0: Thank you so much for joining us for the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. If you'd like more information on how you can begin a relationship with Christ, or you just want to let Pastor Dave know how much this message has blessed you, send him an email at dave at davedeselmministries.org. Then join us next time as we look to God's Word for help and hope as we follow Jesus every day.